Well, hi there, freaks. It's your boy, Marty Ben, here to introduce this week's episode of Tales from the Crypt. I uh, got somebody who's running up the stat stat board here at TFTC. Sat down with Jack Mallers, joined by Matt O'Dell, uh, to talk about the, the Strike app that he just launched, an app that allows individuals to pay Lightning uh, network invoices directly from their bank account using the Strike app. It's uh, a very promising development in the space uh, that I love to see coming to the market. Um this is a great episode because we talk about uh, pretty candidly uh, the limitations of Lightning Network and maybe some mistakes uh, that Jack and uh, has made with Zap and uh, Olympus along the way, finding out uh, uh, how to use Lightning Network, the Lightning Network correctly when you take in everything into consideration, like volatility, privacy, um, ease of use, and stuff like that. And it's a very candid conversation. Jack is somebody who, as you freaks know, uh, I love, huge fan of him and uh, all the work that he's been doing over the years to make Bitcoin more usable. Um, and yeah, again, this is a very honest conversation talking about some hard truths that exist uh, with limitations of these networks. And as we say in the podcast, uh, we're figuring out how these networks work and how we can best use them and leverage them. So uh, I think you guys are really going to enjoy this episode. Uh, as a side note, uh, some of you may have noticed if you follow me on Twitter and, and uh, see what I post there. Yesterday I announced the the Bitcoin channel on Dig. Uh, some of you may know I've been curating that channel for a few months now, uh, but we're actually going to turn it up a notch. We're going to try and create a uh, Medium and Reddit combination-like environment where people can post links uh, pertaining to Bitcoin uh, that, that they can then talk about. And then on top of that, we're moving uh, to make it so people can post original content uh, with a bit of curation to help highlight and surface very good content in the Bitcoin space to help educate Dig's audience, which, believe it or not, is still pretty big. Um, so if you guys have not signed up for that Bitcoin namespace, go over to dig.com slash Bitcoin, join the namespace, join the conversation. Uh, I think it's going to be fun. Uh, this episode of Tales from the Crypt is brought to you by the Cash App. You freaks already know all about them. And if you don't, let me tell you about them, all right? They're an app that you download. You use the code StackingSats when you download it. You go to the App Store, look up the Cash App, Google Play Store, look up the Cash App, download it, use the code StackingSats, that's one word, S-T-A-C-K-I-N-G-S-A-T-S. You're going to get $10, and $10 is going to send, uh, $10 is going to send, excuse me, Cash App is going to send $10 to our good friends at Owls Lacrosse. I'm going to hit you with the bird call early, Owls Lacrosse. <laughs> All right, and then once you download the app, you're gonna get a bunch of functionality. All right, you're gonna be able to buy and sell Bitcoin. You're gonna be able to stack Sats. You're gonna be able to send Sats off the app to a personal wallet, from a personal wallet to the app. Uh, you're gonna get their Boost program, which allows you to go to partner merchants and get discounts there. If you have the Boost card, the Boost card is dope. If you don't have one already and you have the Cash App, order it. Yeah, you're gonna save some money and you get some cool personalization. You get to put your signature or Bitcoin symbol or Lightning bolt, whatever you whatever you so feel. And then on top of that, they just released Cash App Investing, all right? They're letting you stack slivers of stonks if you so please, all right? If you have a favorite company out there that you want to invest in, you haven't been able to in the past because you've had to buy a whole share and it's too expensive for you to buy all at once, Cash App is now letting you again buy slivers of a stonk. You can buy as little as $1 of your favorite stonk, okay? Um, Cash App Investing is a subsidiary of Square, a member SIPC. And because Cash App is directly... Connected to your bank account, you're going to be able to invest right away. There's no four to five day waiting periods for your money to hit the app. So you can send it right away. Start stacking sats. Start stacking stonks, if you so please. 
uh, and then take advantage of their boost program. Use the code stacking sats, get that $10, send $10 to house. Enjoy this episode with Jack. I know I certainly did. What is up, freaks? It's your boy Marty Bent here for the third podcast in 24 hours. Ripping pods in the last 24 hours. Uh, in the studio with somebody who's been here, you're, you're putting on, getting up uh, the stat list here, bro. We got Jack Mahler's in the studio. Welcome back. Yo, what's good, fellas? You also got Matt O'Dell here. What's up, freaks? Uh, your second podcast in three or 24 hours. Let's fucking go. Uh, <laughs> big announcement. When was it, last week? This time last week. Mm-hmm. It was last Thursday, right before we recorded Rabbit Hole Recap last week. LN Strike, pretty dope. Uh, you're the man who created it, so I'm going to let you explain it. Uh, I'm not going to try to describe your product in front of you. Yeah, uh, man, I'm going to give it my best shot. I think uh, the coolest part about it, in my opinion, is the evolution of like how it came to be and the process we went through. Um, I think it was really like unique user research around Lightning that hasn't really been done before. But uh, it essentially allows your U.S. dollar payment methods to be interoperable with Bitcoin and Lightning. Um, And in my opinion, it's the lowest friction and barrier of entry to participate in what is becoming like a budding economy on the Internet. And so I think it's really important. Um, And I think it's the depth of the idea. I haven't had a chance to really convey in full. I think my first blog post was cool, but I got a ton of stuff and uh I'm just really excited. I'm really proud about about it too. How I came to it is 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 just a crazy story. Yeah, how long this came out of nowhere, in my opinion. Like, in uh, my I, opinion too, it wasn't on my radar. And then yeah. you dropped that blog post. I was like, whoa. And so to me, this seems like a great product because it allows people who don't own Bitcoin to interact with merchants that want to accept Bitcoin, which I think is huge. Yeah. It well, I think it it also works in the reverse way, where a mainstream fiat only business can accept. Bitcoiners paying them because yeah. we do the auto conversion in the reverse um, for merchants as well. So it's a dual sided service. I think it has a ton of potential. Um, but what I'm most proud of again is like the process I went through to understand why lightning is important and break down a lot of assumptions and come to a product that has like some standing ground. It's standing on something that like there, there was work put in and, and assumptions clarified and proven wrong or right, you know, and that's what I think is the most foundational about it. It's not a guess. All right, let's dive into these assumptions. Like, what uh, what was the the approach for uh, f- determining these assumptions and then proving them right or wrong? Yeah, so we got to go back to my Olympus post, or even to when I started Zap. You know, so Zap was this is this open source wallet and like set of tools. Now I think we have like twenty repositories in our GitHub, and uh, it was just to make using Bitcoin easier. And Lightning was going to have this new relationship with the end user. We have all these new tools. And a few years down the road, it was like, okay, well, how do we graduate to the next level? Because we were just starting to see a lot of the same. You know, there were like a million Zap wallets. They just weren't called Zap, right? And it's like, well, what's the big problem? And it was onboarding. It was like everyone had the same amount of users. We all have, you know, Breeze's users or Zap's users or Blue Wallet's users. They're all on Twitter, right? And, And... so it was like, how do we expand that and make an impact that's wider than, you know, the people that are just incentivized because they hold the asset that we're trying to impact? And to me, it was onboarding and taking them from fiat to using lightning is that was the hardest part is getting someone from zero to 
the experience that should give them that aha moment. And uh, all of my assumptions were just like flat out wrong. <laughs> Every single one, embarrassingly wrong um, about how this would work. So it was originally that you would link it to your Zap wallet, like open source wallets would be able to have users buy Bitcoin to them and that that would induce normal mainstream consumers to participate with Lightning. Uh, and it, it was just, I walked through in the blog post, like volatility taxes and just having to have a wallet and the responsibility that that is and the burden that that is to a normal person. Um, those were the highlights, but it even goes deeper than that of just how wrong that was on so many levels. Um, and so, yeah, I guess I, I can walk through it. I don't know how to best break this down. It's a crazy story, though, because Strike was entirely an accident based on all this stuff. I've got three hours. we got, we got plenty <laughs> of time here. Yeah, so the first one was volatility. Um, so, you know, we were testing, and uh, users were buying. with Because of fees and such, what users were doing, which I didn't expect at the time, is they were buying in bulk. So they would buy like $500 of Bitcoin at, at a time without the intention of spending that right away. But figuring if I just am going to pay fees to acquire and get myself set up, then I should do a batch at once, you know. It's like a big top off. Yep. And then say I have this $500 balance and I'm going to be spending this whenever I bump into QR codes. And volatility just nicked this in the butt entirely. Like Bitcoin would go up and people would be like, yo, I'm not spending this thing which is a beautiful thing. Like they were learning on the fly, like how hard the money was. Um, and they were preferring to like, they're like, I don't get it. Like I can use my debit card on fold, but like my dollars aren't going to go up like Bitcoin is. So they just move the money off. Or if Bitcoin would go down, be like, I'm not spending at a loss. Like that's whack. You know, what do I look like spending when it's at 5k and next week my buddy's spending at 7k. Like I'm no loser. And we were like, fuck like that's fucked like i can't there's nothing i could do about that like all of these things were so defeating at the time it was just like well fuck me um and then for merchants it was equally as bad you know or even worse arguably because <coughs> they priced their operation their business in dollars and so volatility a bad day of bitcoin can just wipe out a month's worth of business and so there was no incentive because at the end of the day too this is a chicken and egg problem i can have people ready to scan qr codes but they have to have qr codes to scan and i can have all these businesses presenting qr codes but there have to be people that are, have the ability to pay them and so volatility was horrible the next one was taxes what i did accidentally is i was linking everyone's personal identity to their node's public key. <laughs> you fucking idiot, Jack. So stupid. So here I am delivering this Bitcoin to them in a channel where the only way for them to then use it and spend it is to go back through me, right? So you buy Bitcoin from me. It's coming to you through a channel that I established with you. And this is a common practice in like all of these lightning on-ramp services, right? Mm -hmm. And so they know your public key. They know your KYC info. And they know exactly when you spend it. And so Bitcoin is taxed as property. And so every time that that Bitcoin moves from your lightning wallet, that is a taxable event. And if there are like real gains, like, I mean, the IRS is getting extremely aggressive on everyone's 2020 tax report or form there's going to be a did you spend or use cryptocurrency period so they're getting aggressive and so here i am 
this central point for them to come after. Like, we know that you know these people. We know that you gave them the Bitcoin and their identities associated with their public key. And we know that you know exactly when they spend. So users were coming to me like, so when I scan a QR code to click pay, can you tell me like before I hit send, like what the tax implications are? Are you going to provide me with a 1099? Yeah. And I'm just like for every lightning payment, like thousands of y'all's articles I've bought in my lifetime, right? Like Satoshi's place art, uh, fold gift cards, bit refill, all taxable events. And users learn about this and they're like, homie, I'm off it. Like, I'm just not on that. That sucks. Like, I would do it. I have like 10 cents all the time and I would pay for an article, but I'm not trying to deal with like the volatility and like submitting all this to the IRS and then us as like a company, like what the fuck do I look like building? We're sitting all day building like tax tools. It makes no sense at all. Well, this doesn't seem like a ZAP problem. It seems like a government regulation problem. Yeah. So we're fighting for like diminished exemptions, like all of these things and we're fighting the good fight. But it's just a huge deal, and like I like operating on my time, not on the man's time. Mm-hmm. And so it was a big, big problem. People were just opting out, like either buying Bitcoin and then just moving it to cold storage. Which I mean, I'm converting people to like hodlers of last resort, and they're getting onboarded to Bitcoin, but it's not helping Lightning at all. Um, and then with this tax thing, and then the last one is probably intuitive to most is that creating a wallet, having a backup. It didn't make any sense. Like, these people just had no interest in doing this. It was like the, I have a dollar in my pocket. If I can use that to scan a QR code, I will. But if I have to download, have something sync, there's something in my Google Drive account, volatility, I'm reporting all this to the IRS. Like, I'm just, I'm good, dude. I'm good. And so, yeah, that kind of summarizes it. I've been ranting for a second now. But that was, like, super heartbreaking to me because, you know, then you start to question, like, is this possible? And like, fuck, um, is this a hobbyist tool? And, you know, something that may grow post hyper Bitcoinization, but in 2020, am I like wasting my time? Like those type of things where I'm like depressed about like, you know, yeah, a lot of time and effort, blood, sweat and tears into these products and the long dick of the law, just fucking, uh, fucking things up. Right? Yeah. But even like volatility, dude, like it's a good point that these users were making accidentally is like, if you own Bitcoin at any point, why would you ever spend it unless you had to, unless there's a justifiable reason, like you're using it because there's no other tool that could accomplish what you're trying to accomplish, like censorship resistance or privacy or whatever that is. But these are people that are buying Bitcoin from a regulated entity um, that has their KYC linked to their wallet they're not using Bitcoin for any of that. They're not using Bitcoin to speculate and they're not using Bitcoin for privacy or censorship resistance. So why would you ever, ever, like once you come across Bitcoin, just hold it. Like, and that was a great point they were making to me. And I would look in the mirror, like who have I become to where I'm on the receiving end of such a point? You know what I'm saying? Just fucking my head up. Um, so yeah, I mean, taxes are tough. Like dealing with regulators is going to be a long haul battle, but even things like volatility and, you know, what it takes to run a lightning note on your phone as good as things like Phoenix and Breeze are. Like, you, you put that in front of, you know, the lady at the front desk, she's going to shit her pants. She had her buying Bitcoin on Cash App last week. <laughs> Cash App is not the same beast. <laughs> I know, I know. I think I know. she can figure out Breeze. I think so. I have faith in her. 
I did too. Well, so then speaking of the topic, first of all, disclaimer, I love Breeze. I love Phoenix. I love all, I love everyone. That's real rap. I, I do. I, this community is so dope. But I started to question like all of these trade-offs that we're making as wallets, you know, because Zap was in a position where people wanted us to offer like the Breeze type functionality. And then the other side was, you know, you have to maintain this level of privacy. Like Zap is one of the only privacy like oriented wallets where you create your own channels because, you know, Phoenix and Breeze are reporting to Coindesk like, yeah, we process like our users made 10,000 payments in a month. And it's like, yo, that is not chill that you know that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I have no fucking clue who's using Zap and how they're using Zap and how many times they're using Zap. And I will never be able to. And so then I started to question, like, hold on a second. If these more, like, uh, wallets that are designed for newbies are compromising on censorship resistance and privacy because Apple and Google know who's downloading this and then these services know exactly when they're spending and so if the United States wanted to go to them and say, and we're imposing taxes every time you forward an HTLC, like holler at the kid, tell us their Apple account, and we're going to tell the IRS, like that is possible right now. And so you're, like, if they're making these privacy and censorship resistant type of compromises, then who is the target user? Like, have we been thinking about this entirely wrong? Like, these are the things that are just fucking my head up. Like, anyways... I was going through it, man. I mean, you know, I'm fine, but I was. I was going through it. Somebody's got to think of this stuff, right? And mm-hmm. and as somebody uh, who uses Zap every day, I'm happy that you can't see everything I'm doing. Well, um, I mean, in their in their defense, uh, like, if, have you read Phoenix's FAQ? It's like fucking fantastic. They list mm-hmm. all those trade offs very, very clearly. Yeah. No. Um, so the disclaimer is I have nothing against them. In fact, I think they're doing an amazing job and I don't think anyone's being like dismissive, right? Yeah. I'm but, just curious, like who is that target user? Like, similar to, to coin joins though, and we say this a lot on this podcast, like the more people coin join, the more it's hard to like sort of taint or consider coins tainted. Like, do you think there's a, a mass market threat, not even a mass market, a market threshold that it hits where people are just using this stuff and it's like hard to be like, all right, we're going to enforce all these draconian tax laws and AML KYC. It's the, do you think this is a, just do something, ask for forgiveness later type situation or. Yeah. Like, don't get me wrong. I mean, people should take all my opinions with a grain of salt. Like I could be totally off the ball. Uh, no, I think you're making some very good points. I mean, I 100% agree with you. Yeah. I mean, I have the similar concerns with like Treasure and Ledger servers. Like, no one ever talks about that. Um, they have like insane amount of data. Yeah. So I so I mean, the story goes. I'll do like a quick TLDR, and then I'd love to tell the actual story. But I was in Paris at the time. I had a pit stop. I met keto miner in person. And, uh, I was on my way. Yeah, absolutely. Great guy. And I was on my way to the lightning conference and I was in my hotel, like spent no time outside my hotel. And I'm like whiteboarding on this giant sketchbook where I do all my designing, like shit. Like why is Bitcoin important? Like, why do people use it? And I have on, on this piece of paper, like speculation, like the number one use case that has far exceeded privacy and censorship resistance 
which is just like factual basis, not to weigh which one's more important. But the one that's attracted more users is speculation and wealth creation specifically, is that people are making a fuck ton of money by owning this thing, and their returns are out-returning any other asset. So one, speculation and in generating wealth. The second is censorship resistance and privacy. This is this inherent property that no other asset has been able to achieve, and that's kind of like... You know, the genius of the white paper and, you know, the puzzle that Satoshi crafted. Now, all of a sudden, we have a third. We never had a third. Even like Cash App and Coinbase, the most consumer-facing, friendly businesses in the entire industry are shoving these charts in your face and their app is entirely buy and sell. There's no functional utility to the asset at all on their platforms. They look great. They're easy for the, you know, the front door lady to use, but they're not, do you know what I'm saying? Is, is, is they're totally built to entice speculation and to allow you to participate in speculation. And so who is this new third that the Lightning Network is introducing? Because you've got people who are using Lightning not to speculate and not for censorship resistance, right? Because Breeze has users. Phoenix, they have users. So these people clearly aren't valuing privacy. They clearly aren't using the asset in a censorship-resistant manner because, in theory, like any regulator can come to these you know, hubs providing liquidity and enforce some serious rules and tax consequences. So then all of a sudden, we have a new, we have a third, and understanding that third and how to give people access to that and why people are valuing that. Like people are using Lightning not to, not to speculate and not for censorship resistance and privacy. And that was like my mission at the time is understand this one because I don't think we have. And it was blowing, I'm like blowing my own mind here. And I start to question like, are the trade-offs that these wallets are making smart? Because now for Zap, it's really obvious for me, we will never provide inbound liquidity for you. As luxurious as it may seem, I compromise all of these properties that make, you know, this censorship resistance, privacy, like these type of things really valuable. So anyway, then that eventually birthed strike where if you are not speculating, if you don't care about privacy and censorship resistance, which we call like a mainstream user, whoever these people are, then in theory, all you need is a debit card, right? Like in my Olympus demo, I bought Bitcoin and then the Bitcoin was in my Zap wallet for 0.5 seconds and then it went to BitRefill. Why did it need to be in my Zap wallet? I wasn't using Zap for censorship resistance. Like my public key was linked to my fucking full name. Who cared? Like why didn't the Bitcoin just go straight to BitRefill and all I need is a debit card? Now all of a sudden, we're really hoisting and supporting this third like all of a sudden new user that is being attracted to lightning more and more aggressively and giving them great access so that if you bump into a lightning QR code in your everyday life, you don't need any of these things outside of like a bank account. And that is kind of like how my brain went there. Yeah. And so using strike to uh, pay these lightning invoices, is basically like you're there. There's no, there's there, that point five seconds where it's in zaps doesn't exist. There's no uh, basically time at which you can have like a capital gain. Exactly. So, um, yeah. So I was buying Bitcoin to my zap wallet and then immediately spending it. So one or people were buying in bulk, like I was saying before, and then incurring volatility and just being like, yo, fuck this shit. This shit's whack. So 
no volatility, no taxes. So spending that Olympus demo, that is a taxable event that I, you know, I'm on the internet, I'm on fucking YouTube under my full name. So I'm reporting that to the IRS. That's fucked. Um, and so the strike story is pretty nuts. So I'm in Paris and I'm just down in the dumps, dude. I'm like, fuck. Because the last thing that would make sense is lightning is for post-hyper-Bitcoinization, which means that you know, volatility is no longer an issue. Taxes are probably like a long gone deal. And we're in a world that supports Bitcoin natively. But today we're not. And it's very unclear. You can speculate, but are we even close? It's hard to tell. So I'm in Paris and I'm like, fuck me. Like, this is fucked. And I'm thinking about this tax thing. And I have my parents connect to my zap nodes and they get to use them because they're just not very technical and they want to use, you know, the products that their kid makes and, but they just can't set that shit up themselves. And I'm thinking like about reporting my taxes and I'm like, wait a second, I'm not going to report like the transactions that Brooke is making from my zap node. She doesn't report those. I report those. So I'm like, hold on. Like she's using lightning though. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm like, she's using lightning all the time, but she's not exposed to taxes. And why is that? It's because she never touches the asset. If those Bitcoins from my lightning now get stolen, they're my Bitcoins. I have ownership of them and it's my problem. She's using lightning though on like a free line of credit for like being a dope parent. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So then I, I start to blow my own mind. I'm like, hold on a second. And so I call my, I call Rockstar Dev, uncle, that's fam. What a boss. I call him up and I'm like, dude, let's put together a few API endpoints. One, I need the ability to add balance to a line of credit. And two, I need the ability to pay any lightning invoice. And you can use my like web of well-connected nodes. And so we toss it together. And I start calling my buddies and I'm like, yo, cash at me money, like a dub, dub, Chicago slang, like 20 bucks. (laughs) I'm like, yo, cash at me a dub. And I would put that dub into the database and then I would give them access to my node. And when they would spend, I would go into the database and I would make it lower. Credit it. And when they ran out, they would cash at me again. And I don't know if I'm going to go to jail if this is like money laundering or whatever, but this is what I was doing. And I was still using Zap and I was using this hack together database and this endpoints. And I'm telling Rockstar Dev, I'm like, don't tell anyone this. Not because I think it's like a secret genius idea, but because no one's going to like the depth that I would have to take to explain what the fuck is going on in my brain. Just trust me, man, please God. And he's like, yeah, of course, of course. So that's what, that's what happened. And then I realized like, now these users, like my friends that are cash apping me, they have a balance in dollars and Bitcoin can go up 100% or down 50% and they don't give a fuck because they have a dub, right? Mm-hmm. None of these transactions are being reported as taxes. And I'm like, holy fuck, like I'm the one dealing with all the taxes, which is chill. Like I can do that. I, I, I'll wear all this to the face if everyone else can get a great experience. Um, and they don't have to ever set up a wallet. They downloaded Zap, they scan the QR code to connect, and they make any payment their heart ever desires and receive. And I was like going through my checkbox, like I solved it. I started freaking out. I'm like in Paris, like, you know, 
when i remember we were on the river some river uh in berlin actually so i'd gotten to the lightning conference and i run up to the zap team and i try and explain it to them and they think i'm nuts and i'm like giddy as fuck i'm like yo i fucking fixed user experience like i think i'm onto something no one's believing me and then at that point it was about finding the necessary partners and making that real so instead of cash apping me it was linking a bank account or linking a debit card and how can i have a banking partner that would allow people to hold the cash balance on the app like cash app does where i can yank from a payment method if i need to but if they're sending and receiving we don't want to have to have those delays of actually touching the bank account if this is like a running balance of send receive like it can live on the app like cash app like venmo and it was just about making it real and we made it real and then that's like the story of strike pretty dope story what goes on in your mind your mind seems uh to be racing at all times man yeah dude it's fucked up it's like a disease but sometimes it does cool stuff so the way strikes strike in its current form today are you still taking that tax burden on i take everything on like the hardest part is the volatility risk like the balance sheet risk i take on we can get into all that detail but that is the inherent property of the service right? It's like, if you want censorship resistance, privacy, and to have this experience on your own, today you pay a premium for that, right? You do this MyNode, or you buy specific hardware, you have to go through the process of setting up Zap, asking people like Matt what to do on Twitter, and that's the premium you pay. For something like Strike, it's so easy, because I'm wearing all of that for everyone. And that's, but that is like the inherent value. Is that tenable long term, though? Yeah. Oh, I'm chilling. I'm a a warrior for sure. I got it figured out. Um, You know, scaling it is a different beast, but scaling anything is a beast like scaling Bitcoin was and currently is a beast. So, you know, there's a lot to figure out. But, um, you know, the reason I announced it is because I was confident that I had solved, you know, the bare minimum necessary to get this idea out into the world. Um, And even Strike itself, the app, wasn't the plan either. I had talked to, I'm, I can't name them, I don't think, but like multiple public companies where there's a serious value in using Lightning as like a settlement payment rail that have existing distribution with the US dollar. And I was like, we can plug this in from under. But there's so many compliance and just general assumptions, balance sheet risk, so that we ended up launching Strike First as like a proof of concept to the world. Like, look at what's possible. This is going to change things or not, but it will tell us a ton about why Lightning is important. Because if Strike doesn't work, then censorship resistance on Lightning is like the only value prop. And when fees spike, like moving your, your activity to Lightning, and there is no other value. And like a lot of these things like Phoenix and Breeze should in theory die with Strike because we're all like making these similar trade-offs, right? Some are more aggressive than others, but you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, no, definitely. It's, uh, I can't, I just, in my mind, I just keep coming back to like, this just seems like unnecessary bullshit to have to put up with. Like, is it more worthwhile trying to change the laws? Um, cause they do seem again, very arduous. And we talk about this a lot on rabbit hole recap, KYC, AMLs, AML laws specifically, uh, do more harm than good at the end of the day. Like you shouldn't have to take on people's social security numbers and all that shit. I mean, the biggest hurdle that Bitcoin UX in general has is regulatory. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like getting around those trade-offs are why a lot of things kind of seem taped together. Um, so, so you were saying uh, balance sheet risk. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's basically because you have to hold large amounts of Bitcoin on Lightning Network, right? Yeah, so let's walk through a user story of 
I have X amount of Bitcoin in my infrastructure and the users has X amount of dollars. They make a $1,000 payment out of the infrastructure. What's actually happening is I'm getting their US dollars and they're using my Bitcoin, right? Like I'm sending it on their behalf. That leaves me in trading what we call inherently short Bitcoin. All that means is for me to recoup the necessary amount to like restock my infrastructure. I'm assuming that the price doesn't go up because if it goes up, the dollars that I received won't allow me to buy the same amount of Bitcoin I spent, right? So if right. I spent $100 worth of Bitcoin and I receive $100, I have to trust that it's going to, you know, that $100 worth of USD is going to get me the same amount of Bitcoin I just spent. And so that leaves me inherently short. And obviously at scale, if we wanted like public companies to use this infrastructure, there's 30 million people making payments all the time. It's pretty advanced real-time automated risk management and trading to where every time an order comes into the infrastructure, we have algorithms that are just running and balancing ourselves in real time. So if we need to make a trade to balance out our exposure, like open a derivative position, uh, hedge with a, a spot partner, a counterparty, we do that so that our balance sheet remains flat and that we, we don't have a bias on whether Bitcoin goes up or not. Uh, we can just provide the service because if you do have a bias and you do care, you're going to get wiped out. Yeah. So that part's hard, right? Is just ensuring because we do send and receive. So you have the user story of, you know, the user that's buying a blunt in Colorado and they are using their bank account to scan a BTC pay server QR code. But then you also have the reverse where you have like a Twitch streamer who's put up like a strike donation page and people all over the world are sending Bitcoin and he's getting dollars in his bank account, right? It's like magic in both ways. And so we are both inherently short and inherently long all the time. And sometimes these flows cross each other out, but sometimes just by happens chance, people are spending more than they're right and vice versa. Mm -hmm. Then we build a bias to the market. And so being able to hedge that in real time, establishing enough partners um, so that we're trading while you guys are using the app. And that's like one of the harder parts. I can imagine trying to actively trade to to create stability and equilibrium in, in your holdings. And then is, is this a profitable service, like with the tax burden and all that in the long run? Yeah, 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 definitely. So right now I don't charge a thing. Uh, just trying to learn best I can. Like, you know, you can't be at that gullible to know that you got everything wrong the first time and that you got everything right the second. <laughs> so I'm just learning um, very much down to lose Bitcoin that's in my infrastructure, like something gets ha hacked or I, I'm knowingly wearing that risk to, I think that this is, would really push Bitcoin forward. And eventually at scale, we're going to have to charge like some edge in our trading spread or, so, you know, we're going to have to find some way to cover ourselves at scale. But, um, and, and I'm very transparent about that. I have nothing to hide or lie about, but at right now is the, the rate I get my hedge off at is the rate you guys get to use. Um, there's no fee, every fee from like a debit card processor is passed directly to the user. I don't buffer shit. Um, and it's just about learning. Cause if we can get this right, man, um, it'd be a big deal. No, it seems huge. And then, um, doesn't add a layer of privacy too? like, a like, so you're, you're, when you're using strike and scanning a QR code that pays, uh, the lightning invoice, that's just a on your bank account that shows up as strike, right? Yep. So you, you know, you're 
U.S. dollar payment method has a direct relationship with us. It's very similar to how I've heard Matt describe his relationship with Fold. Exactly. That's what I was thinking. Same thing. And so that, but you got to be careful. You know, like I can talk a big game about how that enhances privacy, but, you know, we obviously, it's not privacy with your relationship with us, right? Yeah. As it is with Fold. Um, So there are trade-offs there, um, which I think that one is a particularly good one. One that I'd like to point out, though, is in the original model of Olympus where we were delivering Bitcoin to your wallet and we knew your public key, whether we recorded it in a database or because we were paying these invoices, which Matt has talked about on the last few RHRs is what he's concerned about, is you know people doxing themselves by posting invoices with their public key. So with Strike, it's, it's a little bit different, subtly different, but very important. It's something like SparkSwap or what Olympus was, they're delivering to your same public key every time and they know that you are that public key. With Strike, you're sending to any fucking thing you want. How am I supposed to know which one's your public key? Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Is it, it's a, it's a, a little bit clever in that way and we don't have direct channels so I set our you know, minimum channel like in the config of L&D to 22 million Bitcoins. It's like a clever way to say no one's allowed to open channels with me because I don't want direct relationships with you guys. It's going to fuck you. Mm-hmm. I want to be connected with you know, the inner liquidity that's routing and so that payments are hopped and that there is that clever layer of privacy that you won't find in some of the other lightning servers not to say that they're bad you know i gotta catch myself like i'm talking shit it's just different it's just different trade-offs that's that's one thing about lightning and bitcoin overall right we're learning this is again alien technology that we're learning how to interact with and build on and it seems like we're in a very big trial and error period Mm -hmm. but you still know the you know the pub key that's being paid of course Yeah. yeah we are the payer of the invoice um so we know the destination. Right. Um, so it's going to, there's a big hurdle here compliance wise, right? Oh yeah. Like that's going to make or break everything. Oh yeah. So yeah, that's what we're talking. Let's jump into this compliance bullshit. Yeah, dude. I know, um, you know, the Twitter reaction was great. So many people support me and I'm very open about how thankful I am for that. And so many people shit on me, which has been new, like, having you know direct access to shit on me in my pocket like my phone goes i read and it's like you're fucking idiot i'm like oh shit (laughs) fuck i was having a good day you gotta turn off twitter notifications yeah bro for real but uh i didn't mean to advertise the service as if it was like kyc list or i saw a lot of like you know jack had routed around kyc like that's full of shit man if people want to throw me in jail and do what they want with me they can like i i'm on their soil i have to play their game please don't do that yeah, dude, I'm too sexy for yeah, but, jail. And you have the bank account information, right? Yeah, so um, one thing, topic I think is interesting to discuss is there's a huge difference between something like SparkSwap or what Olympus was going to do. And I, I'm using SparkSwap because I think they're great. I'm not trying to overuse the name. But um, they're delivering to a user's wallet. And so from a compliance standpoint with regulators, it's a much easier service to pitch because I can say... Yeah, they're buying Bitcoin. Yeah, Lightning is potentially more private than uh, the base layer. But we know the destination. In theory, this user is co-signing and saying that they're sending it to their own custody. And if they're actually sending it to a terrorist and they get caught, then that's more on them than us because we have this dialogue with the user that they're buying Bitcoin to their own custody, right? Whereas with Strike is not that. 
we're pretty open about like you scan any fucking QR code you want. It could be to your own wallet, but it could be to anyone. And we don't care and we don't want to care. And so that dialogue with regulators has been interesting, but it's like a fight that I got to fight. I'm willing to fight it for Bitcoin because I think it's important. Like I think Lightning has this, again, this like third user base that isn't speculation, it isn't censorship resistance, it's instant transactions, it's global payment rail that's cheaper and faster than anything else in the world. And we should fight those things and, and allow those use cases. But it is different in that sense. Hopefully that makes sense. Right, that's the compliance side. Is the, is the invoice that's being paid is where the compliant yeah, fight it's is. that the regulators don't know who that is with like a spark swap or, you know, Breeze hooks in with an external like uh, whatever payment app. They know that it's going to the Breeze wallet. It's going to whoever SparkSwap has registered. For us, we don't really know where it's going. You're allowed to scan what you want. And a regulator can go on the dark web and say, oh, you know, this dark web person is accepting lightning. Let me ask for a bag of Coke, cocaine or heroin, decode the public key from it, and then run to strike and say, has anyone paid this public key? And if they are, and if they try to, don't let them because this public key is selling fucking heroin. Blacklist. Right? And that is like the dialogue that they're having with me because they're having a tough time letting me do this service because it is different than like just onboarding a user, which by the way, like back to my other point, we shouldn't be onboarding users over lightning to speculate. Like there are better ways, more secure ways, like get them to cold storage, get them a cold card. So I think Lightning's predominant use case will grow to be what Strike is. And so it's important for me to educate regulators, talk them through this, tell them why it's important, tell them why it's a lost cause. Like, you can't win this fight. And so there's no point in trying. And anyways, that's kind of like the dialogue that we have. But obviously, like, you know, I play by the rules. I have no intention of of breaking the rules. I've been a good citizen. (laughs) And... uh, yeah, it's, it's a relationship. It's like a marriage, man. Like, it's never over. Um, something you work on. Yeah, but it's, I mean, again, like, when are these agencies just going to do good police work and detective work? And why, it, it sucks because you're an entrepreneur trying to create a, a very uh, useful company, in my opinion, a lot of Bitcoiners' opinion. You're just being handcuffed by draconian laws, right? So we talked about AML D5 a little bit before. Apparently, AML D6 is coming out. What the fuck? I just found this out. Like, mm-hmm. um, and then on top of that, like, and to go back to highlighting the utility of the app, like this strike in particular, like a lot of people talk about just like pushing lightning to the background and having it so people don't even realize they're using Bitcoin. And this seems like a good first step in that direction. Yeah. Like you can imagine a user story. I'm really bullish these lightning video games. Super pumped about them. I'm waiting to play. Fuck yes. Yeah. I'm super stoked. And you can imagine a scenario where a user has Strike to interact with them and all of a sudden these game developers in another country have all of these users that can interact where I have 20 bucks, I scan a QR code for $5 to play this game and then I withdraw back like $10 because I won and now my balance is just $25. I never touched Bitcoin, I'm just dealing in dollars. If I want to download Zap, if I want to download Breeze, that's my choice. But if that's not my swag, which is like a lot of people... They can still interact with this economy. Like we're inherently long, us as a community, like QR codes is what I like to put it. Like we're bullish QR codes. I think that we're going to bump into I'm, more and more of them I'm as time goes on. I'm very bullish QR codes. Right? It's blowing my mind that it, like it's not a, be, uh, a more 
common user experience here in the states i mean in asia it's huge yeah and in the the reverse user story where like i can go to starbucks and say listen there are people in the world that have appreciated wealth in bitcoin that want to transact privately with bitcoin and you can now accept their business without touching bitcoin like i'll give you a point of sale where you display a qr code they scan it with their breeze their phoenix their zap node connected to their their zeus whatever the fuck their flavor of tea is and as soon as I get the pre-image, I give you money in your bank account. Like you never touch Bitcoin. There are no taxes. You're just dealing in dollars. In fact, I'm a cheaper processor for you. But now you're allowing business with this world of people. And, and it, it's borderless. It's the entire globe. And that in the reverse for merchants is equally as appealing to like, you know, I, I purposely marketed the consumer because, you know, just keep it singular. Try not to dunk too hard. But uh <laughs> That yeah, dude. Like I think it's I think it's fucking huge. I think it's huge. The gaming was one of my first thoughts too, uh, because it's so easy too for the game producer or the content creator, like a Twitch streamer or something, to be like just download the Strike app. Like they don't have to explain to them what Bitcoin is or anything like that. Yeah, exactly. And so back to regulation, um, I've become like a fucking lawyer. So I came into Bitcoin with my, my dad's basically my dad's background in finance and markets and trading. And I was teaching myself to code, but now I've got like product under my belt. Now I'm a fucking lawyer. And so, uh, there are certain laws that, I mean, there are rules, like literal laws I can follow. I have the right to follow where there are, uh, like layered, um, levels. Like for example, there's KYC AML and then there's the CIP. And within CIP, uh, $1,000 accounts and lower uh, can be treated as prepaid accounts um, but aren't treated as a prepaid program. So these type of accounts where if you are using Strike and you never exceed 1000 bucks, which none of our users have so far, then it's just like name, uh, email, address, and you're chill. And when you say exceed 1000 bucks, you mean in one payment? Yeah, yeah. like... And, and you're chilling. But like if you want to deposit like 10 grand, like if you wanted to have the capability to send like a Wumbo 10G lightning payment, like then the regulators are going to, you know, kick me. And, and that's a tough thing for me as a product guy. Like I'm not trying to shock on KYC anyone. How do I be transparent? How do I give a good user experience with these layered levels? But then after my blog post and I'm talking about dealing with the marijuana industry, now they're like, fuck you, kid. You're arrogant. Like... We don't like your swag. You're embarrassing us. And so it's just like ongoing battle. So, you know, I hope community trusts in me that I'm doing my best. But, you know, I think I'm really going to get away with, get away with Jesus Christ. (laughs) I think I'm really going to uh, comply within the laws that exist to have these accounts that if you're just a typical Lightning user and you're sending micropayments, you're sending 10, 20 bucks, that there is no aggressive KYC. Um, and that's an industry practice across the board. Even Binance at one point had where if you're trading under 2 BTC, there was no KYC. They still technically do, but they just shotgun KYC people. Sure. So, I, I, you know, I would never do that. But uh, that's kind of as transparent as I can be when it comes to compliance is I'm fighting the best I can. 5'8", 150, I'm swinging. <laughs> so a couple things here. So it seems like... You can- uh, institutes thresholds at which people can't go over to make sure uh, they don't need to get KYC thrown on them. And then two, I can't stop but keep going back to the fact that we need to change the laws. Like, fucking the war on drugs, marijuana particularly, is fucking dumb. Like, why is it 
why is it that these people can't get money in the AML KYC again going back to yeah. AML, like AML KYC like again draconian do more harm than good like yeah if, do we need to fight and start fighting back against these draconian laws um, as as users like I know you're on the front lines as a product guy uh, basically representing uh, Bitcoiners like do you do you want to hear more people speak up and more people join you on the front line um yeah but i'm just not confident it's gonna move the needle like i just don't know what is dude i'm being just dead honest i mean what kind of world is that though it's not a good one it's one where you know threats and guns are like that defines the rules all right on a brighter note, it does seem like American regulators get it more than European regulators. Yeah. I can say that the regulators I've dealt with and the council, I think council should be praised, council being lawyers, should be praised more than they are because they are the proxy between this relationship and they have a decision to make of like who to side with. And my council, I've worked with the best council in the United States with all these relationships I've built, Sidley Austin, Catton, Fenwick, these guys get it and they want to learn. They'll call me all the time. Like what's an HTLC and they're fighting the good fight and regulators aren't trying to fuck anyone. Um, they're just trying to do their job, not defending them, but you know, it's such a pyramid where as you get to the top, it's where you can cast a lot of the blame supposedly, you know, but the guys that I interface with, guys and girls, um, they they mean no harm. They have no problem with strike. A lot of them are fans. Some of them are users, actually. Some of them tested it, but yeah, no, it's um, a sticky situation we find ourselves in, gentlemen. Uh, so what? You're still, I mean, strikes app is going to be there. So what what can we expect for strike moving forward? Um, yeah, so like getting it in the hands of people, more people using it. Um, yeah, like walking through like the balance sheet risk I'm taking on, like the infrastructure I have is hot wallet. Yeah, like ho- how to deploy successful lightning network hot wallet infrastructure. <laughs> like these are all things that I'm doing and one of the first to do. And so, you know, I know a lot of people are pissed that like they haven't gotten an invite, but you know, every the reception to the announcement was so well, like went so well. We have thousands that sign up. Like, you know, you can refresh the page, and the number's going to go up every time. And so that defeats the purpose of like a beta. You know what I'm saying? Like the whole point is like at the time of Olympus was like if you have the balls, because this is like risky. Like I, at the time, I was accidentally linking your personal identity to your fucking wallet. Like shit was fucked. So if you have the balls and and the courage to do this. Like, please reach out. But at this point, it's just thousands of people. So for us, it's and me personally, it's about, you know, where am I comfortable, you know, in my hedging, in my infrastructure, letting people gain access. And so, so far, we've just been adding people by the week. Like, yeah, like new week, add 25. New week, add, and, and, and just grow it. And, you know, my internal goal is before this quarter is over. So like end of March. Uh, just take the doors off, you know, pray to the men above <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that, but that's as honest as I can be. Who knows? May take longer and may be out next week. I don't know. And then where will we be available? Like any app store? Yeah. So we have iOS, Android browser extensions and desktop. Hell yeah. 
it's pretty robust. Oh, and like well, there'll be a web interface too. Like I think the uh, web interface would be killer. Like the adult film industry is similar to the marijuana industry where a lot of these people get deplatformed and to be able to have like a tip and dot me page, but it's just, you're dealing in dollars. Like people all over the world can scan a QR code and you just get money in your bank account, no taxes, no volatility, no anything. Um, these like porn stars and, and of the sort have been super interested in that. So we'll have like all sorts of tools. I think it's a really powerful infrastructure we have and just going to learn. And when I learn shit, like, damn, that would be sick. I'm just going to build it. Well, Keep fighting the good fight, man. Thank you for building it. And again, standing up for, for Bitcoiners everywhere. It doesn't seem like it's uh, uh, an easygoing battle. It seems pretty stressful. Are you stressed out? Uh, yeah, but like life's hard, dude. You can't blame that all on Bitcoin. Life's just, I don't know. Yeah, like I, I'm stressed, but it's a good problem to have. You know, like uh, my my parents always tell me, at any point you could just stop and come sell weed with us in Colorado. And, uh, I don't want that. I enjoy it. I enjoy it. Mamba mentality. No, I mean, thank God you're here, dude. Again, I use Zap every day. Um, shifting away from strike particularly right now, like where, how are you, uh, what are your thoughts on the development of lightning? Uh, just generally has, uh, the advancements in the protocol, the different, uh, implementations allowed your building to be easier. Uh, yeah, I've had dialogue with pretty much everyone. Like, I remember, I feel like I get an OG card because Matt Corallo hit me up when Rust Lightning was just like a hobbyist project to check it out. And so now I'm very excited to see what the LDK offers. We still use LND. Um, I think Async has been kicking ass, dude. I mean, Eclair um, is a beast. Uh, they've got multipath payments already, they've had Wumbo for a while. Um, and so. Yeah, I think couldn't be more bullish lightning. Uh, I mean, definitely tame expectations because, you know, those expectations land on the devs and, and sometimes it's not fair to them. But uh, as far as capital influx, the support that the project has gotten and uh, the success rate so far, I mean, had to have exceeded expectations. There's only 8 million locked in lightning, though. Did you hear there's a billion <laughs> locked in DeFi, dude? You know, I can speak to that. I don't know if we want or what our time is, but... Plenty of time, plenty of time. We got a... Uh, I have some lightning, like, trading stuff coming out that's going to be huge that ties into Strike, and we're opening FAT, capital F, or PH, FAT, channels that are private. So, like... Yeah, you can lick that eight million liquidity publicly. Like you're just wrong. <laughs> that, let's dive into that though. So like that's that's a topic that we've been talking a lot about too. Like uh, Bitmex Research just did that piece where they found out or they they surmised or guessing uh, educated guesses that mm-hmm. public versus private channels are seventy two to twenty eight percent, and then the liquidity locked is eighty eight versus twelve percent. Um, you're saying. Uh, the estimates, I mean, I'm not saying BitMEX's estimates particularly, but overall estimates of money locked in Lightning may be underestimated. Well, you can just take it as like a best guess, dude. Like, I mean, especially like once we get shit like Schnorr, it's just going to get more and more difficult. And to use data points like that is just so straw, man. It's like opposite of factual. Like you can never put your life on the line with any of these data points. So like they don't mean anything to me. Um, and yeah, I think trading is trading may be the killer app of Lightning, which I'm happy to get into. But 
these people are going to be operating strictly in private channels for a variety of reasons. And so, you know, all these ETH heads are going to get rocked with a with the right hook when that happens. <laughs> Dive into it. What is uh, trading is going to be one of the killer use cases? So, well, in my opinion, Lightning's killer app, one of them, our killer feature is instant transactions, like period. Uh, in trading, there's something called uh, latency arbitrage, which should speak for itself, uh, the ability to execute a trade before someone else. So like a typical user story goes, some ICO raised a fuck ton of money, never had a million dollars in their life before. God knows what they're doing with it. They go to an exchange like Bitstamp and they market sell 2,000 Bitcoin. Now exists an, an arbitrage opportunity where Bitstamp is trading 10% below other spot markets. So if I can buy on Bitstamp and I can sell on anything else, I'm going to make a 10% clip every unit. That's cash money. This is just trading 101. And so now you have to think like, well, how can I get Bitcoin to these exchanges? I can post a bunch of Bitcoin everywhere with the assumption that these opportunities are going to come up, but I'm taking risk that it doesn't get hacked. And also like that my capital isn't being used efficiently. Like who has a billion dollars to spread out all over Bitcoin exchanges? Like I have to predict the right ones. I have to predict which books are going to be full. And then people that are like really powerful and rich started negotiating credit with exchanges. So people are trading with capital that they don't actually have. And the exchange is just like, pay me back later. And that's fucking weak. That's just cheating. And that's whack. And so, or you can just deposit to an exchange in real time and you're waiting like six comps and you hope the arbitrage is there in an hour. But as efficient as this market's becoming, it's not going to be. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait a second. There's a second layer on top of Bitcoin that settles in less than a second. Like, yo, Blockstream Liquid, like, I get it. Like, that's fucking dank. That's still a minute. So if I'm settling in a second, you're settling in 60, I'm 60 times faster than you. I'm going to win every trade, right? So the killer app for traders, you got to follow the money. That's what my dad always tells me, like, follow the money. The money wants to get their trade off first. And so the money's coming to me you know, I'm a trader. I clearly speak, speak the language. And they're like, you can get me to, to execute in front of everyone else. I get to execute trades first. That's tens of millions of dollars in revenue a day sometimes. I'll write you an empty check if you can set up some private channels because we don't want public channels where like some fucking breeze wallet noob is using my liquidity. Like I'm trying to execute an arbitrage. I'm trying to make some <laughs> fucking money. So private channels. Also, private channels with counterparties we're familiar with, right? Like, I think Loop is great. I don't know if Loop makes sense in a scenario like this because it's not necessarily, like, peers that don't know each other. Like, I'm trading with CMT. CMT is five minutes from my crib. If something happens, like, we have a database mesh or, like, a force close, I'm going to call CMT and be like, yo, our shit got fucked up. Here's what we're going to do to reset that shit back up because we're both trying to make money. So like it's more of a trusted relationship, but we're using Lightning to win. And Lightning has this uh, capability to accomplish a vertical stack where I can hedge strikes consumers over Lightning and then also execute arbitrage over Lightning and also execute OTC over Lightning. And so we're accomplishing, you know, something like Liquid has a closed economy and Lightning is able to go from the peak of the liquidity trough to a user buying a y'all's article and it can do it like that like it can move pretty, do you know what i mean that's insane and so, so we're working on that infra sorry we're working on that infrastructure with 
traders because a, prop, a proprietary trading firm has the risk appetite. Like exchanges right now don't want to do it because of compliance and because they don't want to get hacked and lose customer funds. Like it's still unclear how to operate these things at scale. For a proprietary trading firm, they're trading their own money. These guys all are worth hundreds of millions of dollars. Like, what's the risk, Jack? I can try and make tens of millions of dollars on latency arbitrage with this technology, or like my lightning channel may go down and I'm gonna lose like 50 Gs. I don't give a fuck. Like, that, they have the risk appetite to be first. So anyways, like, I think it's really interesting. Uh, we're coming out with something in February regarding that because it, it directly impacts strike, right? Like, I'm trading in real time. I, I would love for those trades to be over lightning. And so, yeah. No, a couple things here. Number one, incredible. A few things. Uh, it makes sense. The number, number two, the fact that private channels just seem like a f- better use case and uh, like a better experience is uh, incredible too because you're just incentivizing more privacy. And, Solved your whale bot problem. Yeah, and the whale bot pro- solving the whale bot problem. And then uh, number three, it seems like the exchange is already moving on this. We've got Bitfinex and Bitstamp already set up, correct? Yeah, so well, a lot of them are running nodes. Bitfinex is the one that allows you to deposit and execute. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, won't say who we're working with. Like people can take their best guess, and I'll announce it in February this month. But uh, there's a lot of things to think through as far as like, um, you know, are you allowing me to? If if I say. I want that spot in the order book. Like I want to execute this trade, which requires me to deposit and then execute. When you give me access to do that, are you holding that spot in the book so that while I'm depositing, there's a chance for a race condition? And if you're handling that race condition, then like the latency and the execution and like the matching engine, like all of that is going to get slower and take a huge performance hit. So we don't want that. Um, but we certainly as traders like want that experience. So it's about like, how can we pull that off and what tools with lightning can we use? And, you know, like using things like turbo channels, like if CMT is a familiar counterparty to me, turbo channels and non-risk, I don't care. Like they're homies, you know, if $10,000 goes missing, I'm going to call them and be like, yo, what the fuck? And we're going to fix it. And so, you know, it's just, it's, it's different trust model, different trade-offs. Uh, and then it seems like eventually you can get to a point where you're just connecting API calls and this is automated almost. Yeah. yeah. So like what Bitfinex has right now is a user facing node where like, users are at a depositing withdrawing. What you're proposing is basically like if Bitfinex joined whatever your group is, you know, supported, uh, your initiative, they would probably be launching a separate node. That would be like a dedicated node that just had private channels with, with your network. Potentially. Right? Yeah. So like one of the obvious features is like the Wumbo bit, which I don't even think is a feature bit at this point. And so we would want that enabled. And, and there's a few protocol features that would be advantageous to this scenario. And so maybe they want to spin up a separate node. I would personally suggest uh, so yeah, I think you're yeah. just to separate risk, on. right? Cause they're hot wallets and you're I'm pretty spot yeah, on just from yeah. like, a, I'm a big visualization guy and just visually visualizing this setup would just basically create tubes to margin to books. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And so what's also great Tunnels is, to uh, books. yeah, Silvergate has got the SEN network, Silvergate exchange network to where you can instantly settle dollars the same way you can instantly settle Bitcoin over lightning. And so we all bank at Silvergate 
And so that if I need, if I'm like the buy side and I am delivering USD, I can do that instantly. And now if I'm the sell side, I can now do that instantly too. And so there's an argument to be made that Lightning's killer app is instant transactions, like even side chains, 60 second transactions at best, right? Like that's a 60 X difference in the trading world. Like you might as well not even play. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. No, I mean, I come from the trading world in a prior life and that's, I mean, that's people literally build their server farms as close to the exchange as possible to cut that latency down as much as possible. Yeah. And it'll be like a more free, like democratic, uh, like market because well, and, the credit negotiations and shit, like shit's kind of fucked. And does this add any like, uh, privacy to the order book too? Can you like, yeah, like if they're private channels and stuff like that, you, you sort of, the, the books get deeper and you may not even notice it. Certainly. I mean, like, of course, if I deposit 50 G's of Bitcoin to an exchange over a private channel where that relationship is direct or there's someone in, in the middle managing liquidity and it's like one hop or so, like, I mean, there's no whale calls for that. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think we forever will have on-chain activity of people reorganizing wallets and stuff and exchanges will always it'd be always kind of tough to hide like what their cold storage address is whether they want to or not but i think in that particular scenario you're spot on for sure yeah no, from a trading perspective like with the lightning specifically you can see the visible order book and then not even know yeah the trades even in like public channels it'd be in theory pretty difficult to have like a lightning network whales calls i can't even imagine like this guy just like forwarded this htlc <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, if they, if it was like big channels between exchanges and stuff, they'd watch it more. Easier to tell. Um, on that note, I, I kind of, I like this idea a lot better than liquid. One of my concerns with liquid is that it creates almost a, it creates a real trusted relationship between all the partners. So you're kind of commingling risk among like the most high risk entities in the space, basically, which are exchanges. Um, but with this, even though it is a bit of a trusted relationship, it's not it's really right. There's, there's less, um, cause either party, you can, can always close your channel. Yeah. You can close your channel and you can watch the other person to make sure they don't steal funds. Um, so it just seems like a step up improvement in that regard as well. Yeah. Where with liquid, you're, you have to ask them to sign that to send your funds and, off. And the it's side a federation, chain. right. That they're all a part of, yeah. um, so there's more like commingle risk in that situation damn i'm getting all excited over here this is huge yeah i'm pumped man uh there's a lot of smart people and a lot of money that um has been pushing me to work on this type of stuff so i'm excited would like to say like i think liquid's dope like i'm always careful on like trying to shit on people because that's what i'm not doing i'm just saying you can't beat instant transactions it's a meritocracy whatever yeah it's like whatever it is what it is and also um I th what I love about this lightning relationship is you get to choose your own trust level. Like it's not necessarily defined. Right. If I wanted this relationship with someone on the other side of the world, I didn't know in theory I could do that. And lightning provides me the security model to do that. But I can probably take on more risk. If I know Don, Don's a family friend, Don's one of the best traders that's ever existed. And I'd be like, yo, let's open up, you know, a bunch of private channels that equate to $2 million with the capacity both ways. And let's ride. Like we could do that, and I got his phone number, and give him a call if, if you know what I mean. And 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 that relationship, because we have more trust, and we're 
kind of pulling lightning strings a little bit. Like, who gives a fuck? None of your business. Like, <laughs> well, then, like, if this practice becomes more commonplace of people creating private channels with people they trust, I think it it leads to what I was describing earlier, where it's like even harder to to enforce these these compliance laws, these regulations, right? And that at that point, it's like, hey, there's literally nothing you can do about. Yeah, this. I mean, even like with counsel with my lawyers one of the topics was you know is forwarding an htlc is does that even have regulatory clarity in the u.s and the answer is no but they're not like you know going after kids for it obviously but the answer is that still to this day so like regulation's a little messed up but i'm really excited that there's a market participant because i think we all had this pie in the sky dream like once exchanges get onboarded then it's over and I think that the exchanges probably won't be first. Like exchanges will probably come after these prop firms and these uh, hedge funds, whoever is providing the liquidity and has the incentive, they'll take the risk because they can afford to and it makes sense. And Yeah, it goes back to the chicken and the egg problem. They'll react to the demand of the people exactly. who want to trade. Yeah, like who knows? Maybe Bitfinex is stealing everyone's business and then maybe your lightning plan was 2021, but you better expedite that shit because I'm not executing any at, at any of your books. So yeah, it'll be fun. And, and who knows? Like it's, it's certainly not a silver bullet and uh, we'll see, like, you know, we're not going to go big numbers yet. We'll, we we're starting small, going to grow it. And, and gradually then suddenly, yeah. How do you prioritize all this shit? I don't know, man. I feel like I answer this on this pod, like this, I just wake up, I go get it. Yeah. <laughs> well, again, thank you for doing it, man. It's uh no, and it's like, we, we find ourselves, it feels like we're ramping into another bull market. And that's the, uh, the big question is like, is, will the infrastructure be ready? That was the huge problem in 2017. You literally couldn't get fun. These exchanges couldn't handle the volume of on-chain transactions and it won't be. What? Yeah, Spoiler, not. it will not be ready. No, I know that, but it'll be better than 2017, I imagine. We might have more people entering, though. Yeah, so we'll we'll always, like, I feel like every bull run will like just smash into the wall for like the next couple of cycles. Still. Yeah, but the wall will be higher, right? Or, oh, absolutely, absolutely. Or further back. How would that analogy work or that visualization? Yeah, well, I also... Like, we're not going to hit the choke points that we did at the levels of volume that we did in 2017, hopefully. Yeah, for sure. There's, I think that's an undeniable fact. But I, I also think it's an interesting point. Um, a lot of the things that are like define that it's ready and, and able to support is because Bitcoin and, and layers like Lightning are built with you know trustlessness in mind than that you're dealing with peers that don't trust each other. Um, so things like watchtowers, like we haven't talked about those in a while, but like that was a hot topic at some point. Like how do we ensure that like not only is it scalable and ready, but also like doesn't require any trust. And that's from an engineering standpoint, typically the hardest part is like ensuring, you know, it has decentralized capabilities. No one has to trust anyone else. And that's what takes a lot of the time. Like things like loop is like, you know, it's just rebalancing channels. Like you could do a circular rebalance, but circular rebalance, there's some trust involved in that. And Loop is an elegant, trustless solution. It really is. But it took time for Lightning Labs to build that. And it's really complex to where I think a lot of these trading scenarios, like we're going to be ready no matter what, because there's going to be money to be made. And if I have to duct tape that shit to make a million bucks, I'm going to duct tape that shit. Like I don't give a fuck. You know what I mean? And, and, and so 
I, th- I wouldn't underestimate it. Like, is it going to be like a perfectly trustless system that's ready? Probably not to Matt's point. I think he's really right. But, you know, like, okay. is there going to be some capital on lightning looking? And, and if that means a hot wallet with some hot wallet risk, people are going to wear that risk to the face and not care. Yeah, but directionally, it just seems like we're going in the right direction. Progress oh, for is sure. being made. No doubt. And, Absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, exciting. For instance, so many people like to shit on lightning, man. It's, it blows my mind. It's, it's like, again, I talked about this many times. Like I've set up my nodes, set up my channels. I've been set it and forget it for almost a year at this point, just mainly receiving transactions. But I check my zap zap app every day and just uh, sat streaming to our node. It's fucking beautiful. Like it works. I've never had anybody complain about not being able to pay invoices that we populate on our site and uh, on our merch store. Like it just works. And a lot of, yeah works yeah um so anything else we should touch on here i don't know i wasn't wearing boxers in that video <laughs> what were you wearing i'm thinking that of all ge- the Dude, twitter your videos are the best were those were those yeah, uh, so pumped muay thai fighting shorts no they're chicago bear shorts <laughs> they are like super above the knee but that's chill it was like 10 p.m and i was just like chilling at my desk so I don't think I needed to get punished for that, but I'm th- I'm just trying to roll through the, like the Twitter comments in my brain. Uh, that was one of them. They weren't boxers, but at this point, for my next video, I am gonna wear. Maybe I should wear like a speedo. Maybe wear a speedo. <laughs> you can you can buy a dime bag. You can use the dime bag as yeah, an example. Yeah, I will. I will. Mental note. Well, how the uh, how was Chicago? I miss Chicago. It's good, dude. It's cold, but uh, nothing new. Yeah. I love Chicago. The Hawks seem to be doing pretty good right now. I'm not a hockey guy. <sighs> Damn. Are you? Uh, not really. I did like <laughs> I did like the uh, when I lived in Chicago. Blackhawks were one of my favorite teams uh, to root for in Chicago because because they won. They were winning the whole time. Right yeah. There, there yeah. you go. And it was just like the city was so much more fun when they were winning. Yeah. Well, the Cubs are in trouble. The Sox are. Uh, I, I like what the White Sox are doing, but. Uh, we're certainly not a World Series contender yet. The Bulls stink. The Bears stink. So yeah, bring on this bull market. Yeah. And get the sun out. Yeah. Are we are we ready for the next bull market? Are the shit coins gonna pump? I'm ready. The the shit coins are already like kind of pumping. Yeah. That's why like I'm getting everybody's like too bullish right now. I'm almost like apprehensive. Like uh, I'm always ready for a bull market. Your- I said yesterday that I wasn't ready and that I was tired, but fuck that shit. Of course I'm ready. <laughs> Is this when you start growing your hair out? I've decided. Yeah, of course, only in the bull market. You got to be clean cut <laughs> in the bear market so people take you seriously. Still, um, I, <laughs> I've decided that this this cycle, I'm going to try and argue with shit corners less and just tweet stamp all their shit. I like that. Like we should just make sure we have like a full record of the whole cycle this time. Here's actually a question, a specific question I have. Like, do you think all this stuff gets easier as we get closer to a closed loop? Like, and are we getting closer to a closed loop? Like Bitcoin economy? Um, in theory. Yeah. Right. Like the tools are there in theory. So if there's value to a closed loop economy, then it should be gaining more traction than like a, where it was a year ago. But in practice, I can't really speak too much to it. I still think we're like super early. Um, That's the one thing you freaks out there to remember. We're still so fucking early. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like the whole follow the money incentives are king. Like I take that shit very, very seriously. So I don't, you know, people still price their shit in dollars, you know, pricing things in Bitcoin and trying to pull off that 
hyper-Bitcoinization story is doing the community a favor more than it probably is doing you a favor. So, yeah, I think we're extremely early. Yeah. And then, like, outside of the funds that you're directly connected with, are you, like, reaching out to, like, other popular crypto funds, quote-unquote, who, who are actively trading Bitcoin to? Yeah, it's more like a word of mouth. It's like, yo, do you know that you can deposit and execute at the same time within a second? And everyone's like, get the fuck out of town. <laughs> and so it's more of those conversations of just like, but it, you start from like scratch, literally. Like traders don't care about lightning and they shouldn't have until now. And so it's like, how does it work? What are the risks? And like, um, but yeah, just kind of word of mouth. I got strike. I got that. And I got those derivatives. Just wake up and get it. Yeah. How are the derivatives coming along? What do you think of uh, Jeremy Rubin's POW swap like on chain? I think it's super cool. I posted a video a little while back. I'm not totally sure it solves much personally. Like I think the really hard thing is pricing difficulty. Like someone has to like put a cost to it, like a dollar amount or a denominated Bitcoin amount and be like, yo, this is how much it costs to like long difficulty. And there's no smart contract. Like, you know what I think Jeremy Rubin did is we were allowed to settle trustlessly and use bitcoin script to settle but i never thought settlement was the problem like whether these big traders are settling with like dollars or trusting each other like no one's stealing like derivative like swap money but the problem was like who's going to be the difficulty market maker it's not you just have an idea in my head i don't know if this is a good idea or it's a thought like for the difficulty pricing how you would be long difficult you'd have to get to the cost of the hardware right at the end of the day right because that would yeah like so in theory dictate like you buy that at a u.s dollar price and you plug it in that's what would affect difficulty right yeah but the mining market is so like not efficient like black from top box to bottom to yeah. so like where we make markets and we are just like taking on risk knowingly but knowing that the most efficient way to find good pricing is to just try um, and then like see how the market swings and we have our own little algorithms and whatnot. And that's kind of what we're doing. Like some of these, I, I was just recently asked to sign an NDA. I wish I could name drop. It would make me sound tight, but some like super big names were paper trading. So like not even real money like that. That's how like cautious they're being. But then there's like lower tier mining firms that, you know, need the service. Like now I also think like on chain fee derivative, for fees, like on-chain fees, uh, I think that's going to be necessary, like the next before the next having, not this upcoming, but so by 2024. No, because that that makes like <clears throat> that's another thing Jeremy was saying too, like that that fee futures market too, <clears throat> helping create like an equilibrium in the fee price is uh and again these just these products would make everything more efficient, right? Yeah, exactly. Like you can argue that Segwit2x, a lot of that was because uh, you had these businesses that were inherently short blockchain fees, which meant, you know, as fees went up, their business made less and less sense. And then miners are inherently long fees where, you know, the block subsidy is going to go to close to zero and trend down and they're expecting fees to go up. And so you have a natural two-sided market where those two should be able to lay their risk off. Um, like Cash App, for example, is eating all the fees for you to dep or withdraw, right? Um, and so if fees spike to like $100 per transaction, like that's going to get expensive for them. They should be able to hedge that. So, yeah, I think like the swaps and derivative products for Bitcoin will get 
super creative, but I think that they're not necessarily here yet because the need to hedge isn't necessarily here yet. Like again, follow the money. Like when the incentives are there, it'll happen for sure. Incentives. This whole system is driven by incentives. Um, it seems like people are becoming more incentivized to, to use Bitcoin. Uh, Hopefully the regulatory burden isn't too much, but I'm, I'm confident that, uh, sanity will prevail in the long run. Um, are you confident? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, any final notes you want to leave these freaks? No, man. I love you guys. Thank you both for having me. This is my fourth one. <laughs> I'm abusing. I'm abusing your time at no, this point. Whenever, whenever I get that DM, I'm like, yes. I love it. <laughs> I love a a sneak up visit to New York City from Jack Mahler's. It is yeah. my fucking pleasure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> fucking love this shit. Yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, thank you for doing what you do. I truly do believe you are, you are making Bitcoin better and uh, Bitcoiners overall, over uh, better overall, uh, better off overall. I can't even speak. Um, this was your fourth episode. I think we got the most comfy outfits uh, that we've had. I'm in sweats. Matt's dressed up though. I cleaned myself up for the bull market. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's all we got this week, freaks. Peace and love.